Our mission statement is to send love, mended, and trained people out. You say amen? Listen, last week we had the wonderful opportunity of bringing Katie and Chad up here and telling you that our children's pastors were going to be sent off to Australia to go work in a ministry out there. So excited for them. But today I told you that I wanted to bring up to you our new children's pastors. So will you join me in welcoming John and Gina Erickson? Awesome. Good to have you guys. Good to be had. You've been, you've been poking around with us for a while now. You've been hanging out with our kids, working with our children's ministry. So, so we're really excited to have you guys here. Can you say they're excited to have them here? It's awesome. They're amazing. So why don't you share with us just a little bit, both of you, share with us a little bit about what you're dreaming about in our children's ministry. Tell us why this was an okay thing for you to say yes to when I offered you this. I came to John. I said, John, I have, a, I have an opportunity for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is until we meet. Right? And he's like, okay, so we get together. I tell him what I'm asking him. I ask him if he come, and he and Gina can come take over our children's ministry. He goes, didn't think you were going to ask me that. So here we go. Tell us a little bit about what you're dreaming about. Yeah, the uh, first thing about, you know, why we felt comfortable doing that is that we have four kids here. And my kids, when we came to visit, absolutely love this place. My son's kindergarten teacher asked, Do you guys, are you guys going to a new church? And we're like, yeah. He's like, Gunner talks about his new church every day, about how amazing it is. Awesome. So when Lance asked us, hey, do you want to take over? It's like, I, I mean, I got four kids back there, and my kids love it. So I feel like, you know, it's something that we should be a part of. As far as what our mission is, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing my daily devotions, and I was reading in the Gospels, and Jesus began to speak about kids. And I was like, I'm about to be a kids pastor. I feel like this is important for me. Uh, so my eyes kind of perked up and was like, okay. And Jesus gives this promise to his disciples, It's a promise that when I read it, I said, that really doesn't even make sense. Jesus, really? And it was kind of cocked my head to the side because it's fantastical. He he says that whenever you welcome a child in my name, you welcome me. And not just me, you welcome the one that sent me. Come on. And that word welcome, sometimes it's translated received. It just means the way a host welcomes or receives a guest. And it's crazy to me, and I don't really, I'm I'm still wrapping my head around it. I don't quite understand why making children feel welcome and receiving children, why that makes God show up. But Jesus promises it. And I'm choosing to believe Jesus. Come on. So as, once I read that, I knew this is the mission statement. And I, I promise lots of things as we do this, you know, children's pastor thing. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm probably going to do things that I shouldn't and not do things that I should. I move the check-in table out to the mezzanine. Um, we'll, see, we'll see if it's back next week if I get in trouble for that. Um, but I, I promise you this, that every one of your children, every one of your grandchildren, every one of your neighbors... Every single child that comes into this building, I am going to welcome and receive in Jesus' name. Come on. Amen. That's good. And I just want to say, man, we are so thankful to be a part of PSCC. And we love the culture here because you guys value your kids. And it's shown in what you do. I don't know how many times I've heard Pastor Lance say, there is no kid-sized Jesus 
And man, do we believe that back there. We believe it in our classrooms, and that's what we're teaching our kids is to know Jesus and to hear from the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you moms and dads out there. Our mission, like John said, is to welcome kids in Jesus' name and to make sure that each kid who walks through our doors on a Sunday morning leaves knowing that they are loved, that they matter, and that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives today. Not 20 years from now, but today they can be used by him. And I also want to tell you guys, hey, I'm a mom. I got four kids back there too, like John said. We have four babies, and we need you guys. We need you to be part of our team. We need you to be part of our village because we're committing to you that we're going to be part of your team. We're going to be part of your village because it takes a village these days, you guys. Am I right? It takes a village. So we need you just like you need us. And if we all band together and support one another, I totally believe that we can make such a huge impact in this community and for all of our kids. Amen. So Gina, what is one way we can come alongside of you in this whole journey of becoming part of this village that you and John are dreaming about? I mean, really, I mean, a lot of it starts with this idea of a parent partnership. Pastor Katie has been so awesome to take the lead and take the charge with this. Um, We've printed up forms for people to fill out and become part of that. But whether you're a parent or a grandparent, a neighbor, a friend, whether you don't have any kids here, we need you on our team. We want you. Um, And not because our our classrooms are empty or because we're out of staff. It's because you bring something to the table that nobody else brings. Yeah, that's good stuff. How about you, John? Yeah, I, I think it's the same. I almost wish, you know, as far as how can, you know, you guys help kids ministry, I wish that there was like some like, hey, we need to raise like $2,000 for this project. But really, as far as what you guys can help out with kids is this vision of welcoming kids in Jesus' name and just do that here. Um, you know, like Gina had mentioned, the parent partnership, I actually have a form. I printed these forms out and put them in the seat backs in front of you if you want to take a look at it. Just give some information. One thing that you may not know, every single person who's in the back classroom is background checked. Because if you're going to trust us with the most important thing in the world, we're going to make sure that they're safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's one thing that if, hey, if you're a parent, you have a parent partner, go ahead and fill this out. I have a locked box that even Lance doesn't have the key to. Um, <laughs> on, the, on the thing, fill it out and pop it in, and then we'll get, and we'll get connected. And I'll tell you what, this is a parent partnership. It's not you partnering with us. It's you partnering with us and us partnering with you. Um, if it's, if you can't do anything else or you're like, eh, kids aren't my thing, but you can hold a baby. We have tons of babies out there back there that we need help with. One of Lance's church growth strategies is to put fertility drugs in the water. Cause I don't, I don't know if you've seen how many babies we have there. Um, hey, what you gotta do? We'll, we'll give you a baby, but only if when you have that baby, you're just welcoming that kid in Jesus name. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'll tell you what, if it's like, hey, my, you know, I, my back hurts and I really can't get back in the classrooms or it's just not something I'm into, I'll open up a prayer room and I'll give you a list of every single kid there and I want you to pray. Woo! <laughs> Having four kids has made me a softie. I want you to pray for every one of our kids back there because I don't know Come if on. these kids have ever heard that they're loved. Mm-hmm. And I want them to feel the love of Jesus. So get back there and just pray for them. Come anyway. on. Um, so that's how you can help. You know, it's, it's fun to listen to your passion, both of you, you know, and to, and to know that it's more than something that you're doing to check off your experience list. 
It won't be long, I promise you, till we're sending these two out to go plant a church, take over a church, do something, right? Because that's our mission. And you're gonna watch them as they journey this course. Actually, I pulled John and Gina aside and I said, here's what I want you to do. Go plant a church back in that children's area. Did you realize two-thirds of all of you share your children with them, right? And, and they get an opportunity. And I love the fact that their, their heart's desire isn't for them to be the only Jesus that they ever see. Their heart's desire is to help you learn how to bring Jesus home to your house and, and show your kids good apps to put on your phone. Show your kids what programs are healthy and not healthy. Just to help you parent your, your children in a way that's godly. They want to partner with you. So as we welcome them in this morning as our children's pastors, can you just stretch a hand forward? And maybe some of our staff and our church council can come up here as we pray for them. Come on up here, can you? Awesome. Mm. Awesome, come on over, guys. Maybe stretch a hand forward as we pray. Jesus, thank you so much for John and Gina. Thank you so much for their kids. Thanks for their family. Thank you for saying for helping them say yes to this call. Lord, yes. as they move out, and Lord, do what you said to do. God, to welcome them in your name. Lord, would you help us to grasp the vision you've placed in the Erickson's heart? God, would you help us to get a hold of the dream that they have, yes. that every child that walks out of here feels welcomed in your name? Would you help us, God, to come alongside of a, of a vision and a passion, Lord, to reach South Tacoma, to reach this Puget Sound region with the love of Christ in every kid's heart? Have your way, God. Bless them, protect them, keep their kids safe and healthy. Mm-hmm. Lord, and keep them safe and healthy. Yes. We love them, and we install them now in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Great. Awesome. Now, if that wasn't enough, I also want to tell you this. We have, uh, I was approached by Pastor Dave Veach. He came here and spoke a bunch of weeks ago. He's my boss. He's the supervisor over a bazillion churches in our region. He actually has an office here in our office. And if you spend any minutes or time at all with Pastor Dave, he's apt to pull you aside and say, I have a crazy idea, right? So he pulled me aside and said, Lance, I have a crazy idea. I said, what's that? And he goes, I want to plant a church in South Tacoma at some point, somewhere, somehow. And I was like, yeah, what do you mean? He goes, I want to plant a, a church with, with, a, with a young person who's got a passion and a crazy zip and zeal to make it happen. I said, that's awesome, Pastor Dave. What's the crazy idea about that? He goes, I want to give you someone to specifically train, and in a year or so from now, I want you to send that person out. I'll pay half his salary if you do. And I was like, done. So I said yes, and we invited a young man who was a youth pastor up in Seattle to come be on our team And he's working here as our pastor, helping children's volunteers join and connect with all of you. So you'll hear him. His name is John Hahn, Pastor John. John, will you come on up here? Right on. Awesome. We love John Hahn. John, tell us a little bit about what you're looking forward to in this journey with us. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to just being able to... uh, uh, connect with a lot of you guys and just being able to be here, be present, be involved with just everything that is going on. Um, I'm not here uh, just to simply be here and to leave um, after a year or two years and then just to simply go plant a church. Um, if I'm here for many years be, because God has called me here, I want to be obedient to that call. Um, but there is, a, there is a desire, there is a dream in my heart to be able to plant a church um, and when I was approached by Dave uh, and Lance, uh, they gave me this crazy offer, and, and, and literally it's something that I've been praying for 
for the past maybe five, six years. And uh, little did I know that my parents, and you guys may have seen them, uh, they've been here for the past several weeks, and they're actually in a call PSCC home. Um, And they can't even speak. So will they stay here when you leave? Uh, Possibly. (laughs) They they love it here. They love it here. Um, And uh, little did I know that my mom um, and dad were praying and interceding uh, ever since I was a young teenager uh, to plant a church eventually. Um, And so that's that's a crazy dream of mine. And and so I just want to be obedient to the Lord. That's awesome. So it's funny when when I when we approached you and and because you don't really know how to train a pastor and just get him started. And so you'd think the very first thing I'd do is stick a microphone in his hand and say, start preaching, right? <laughs> and that didn't happen. Here's what I told him. I said, I, I said, if you're going to become a pastor of a church, the first thing I need you to do is learn how to love families. You've got to love families. Every shape, size, age, whatever. you just got to love families. So here's what I did. I said, I need you to work with John and Gina with our children. So he's back there loving on kids, loving on you, loving on your family. So if I could challenge you, Help him become a pastor because we're a church that does what? Send loved, mended, and trained people out. We're going to send him out to go plant a church before long. And he's here to just do that. So come alongside of him. My challenge for you is this. When he asks you, just say, sure. Come on. You know, some of you, some of you are going to go with him to plant a church. You believe that? It's going to happen. So listen, instead of having everybody come back up again, can you just stretch your hand forward as we pray for John? Jesus, thanks for this time with John. Thank you for his willingness to say yes. Lord, we even pray in advance for the church that you have prepared for him, the people's lives that he's going to touch. So bless him. Help him to be trained up in this next year or so. Bless him, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, man. Good, good, good. How many of you have been to a church like this before? Stalling people and sending them out. We have a weird church, man. I love it. I think it's the coolest thing ever. I think that's what churches should be about. I think too many pastors just worry about hanging on to people way too long. Right? Come on. Amen. How many of you like broken promises? Broken promises stink. You know that? Yeah, I remember when I was uh, in my 20s, I, 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 I left college, and I was at a point in my life where I was going to pursue a Christian performing. I was going to be the next big music deal. Justin Bieber, right? <laughs> Lance Bieber. No, I was going to be... I, a little different size. But nevertheless, I can tell you, I, I, I was going to be the next big deal. So I, went, so I signed up for this Christian Performing Arts Academy. They actually had those things. And, and they, they sent me stuff, and they said, Lance, I'll tell you what, you're going to be the next big deal. I had to send them an audition stuff. And, and they, they, they loved it. They said, here's what you need to do is you need to raise so much money to come here, and in six months our next session starts. So I did. I went and I started working, got a job. I, just, I, I worked a, bunch of that I, a lot that I could. I raised a bunch of money, and I stuck it all in the bank. And about a month or so before I was supposed to leave, I got another letter. It was a physical letter because they didn't have that thing called email then. I didn't get a tweet. I didn't get a text. It was just a plain old letter. I opened it up, and I'm like, can't wait. They're going to tell me what's next, right? After I opened that letter up, and they said, hey, sorry about that. The, the, the school's having a bit of a go right now, so we're actually going to postpone the start of your session for six more months. I was like, all right, six more months, raise a little extra money. I did that. And about six months later, I got another letter in the mail, and I'm like, this is it. This is go time. Sat down, opened it up, and it said, sorry to tell you, Lance, but the school is closed. Yeah. See? Then I became a pastor. This was my backup plan. <laughs> Let me tell you this. It was not my backup plan. It was God's first plan. You know what I hate is I hate broken promises. Promises are never intended to be broken. 
Every politician, every parent, ice cream promising parent around, we hate broken promises and we hate breaking them too. I want to tell you a story today as we're finishing up our series, The Problem, The Plan, and The Promise. I want to tell you a story, a little bit about Jesus at a time when he talked to his disciples and he gave them a promise. And I'm not so sure they heard what they wanted to hear. Let's pray. God, thanks for this moment this morning as we spend time in your word. Will you help us to see what you have to say? You're really good. In Jesus' name, amen. Last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the problem, the plan, and today the promise. The problem, you know, it's interesting in a church our size with the amount of wonderful, qualified, quality people that are here, I preached a message about the problem that we have in our society. And we said a couple of weeks ago that the greatest problem we have isn't this, it isn't necessary global warming or global terrorism or our national debt. The greatest problem we have is a sin problem. Every one of us has this crazy two-year-old that wakes up inside of us that just wants our own way. And I tell you that story, and then I say, and then the next week, which was last week, that he had a plan, and the plan was to send his son to pay the penalty for our crazy sin problem. And all of you both weeks nodded your heads and said, yes, amen. But the thing I wonder is, sometimes we, we, we hear stories, or we hear sermons, or we listen to podcasts, or we watch things online, and they're things that we've heard before, and, and somehow in the human mind, we're able to say, I've heard that useless information. I've heard that, I'll think about it later. I heard that, I don't necessarily need it anymore. I heard that, I hope someone else hears this message. And rarely do we stop and think to ourselves, this is for me. I have a problem that required a plan, and I hope beyond hope that there's a promise. Today I want to talk to you about the promise. A promise that Jesus gave to his disciples. A promise that, that he spoke to them and he wanted to tell them. He wanted to make sure that they knew it. Because I think honestly he was a super good Lord. And he knew exactly what he was doing, but I'm not so sure they heard it. And the truth is, I'm not so sure we ever hear the promises that God makes for us today. Sometimes we look back at the disciples and we're like, didn't you guys just open your eyes? You would have seen what it was that he was doing. And then I, I stare at my Bible one second too long and I see the picture of my face right in the middle of Scripture knowing that I've heard the same promises that they heard and don't listen any better. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to the book of John. As you're turning there, I'm sorry, forgive me, the book of Mark. I'm going to change her up. Book of Mark. As you're going there, let me tell you a couple of promises that God tells you and me. And I wonder how, how readily uh, available these promises that he tells us in his word are to you. Remember, the Bible says of itself that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, and rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what your Bible says. If you want to be thoroughly equipped for every good thing, look at the promises in your Bible. All right? Here's what it says. Here's some of the promises that God's word already says to you and I. And he's in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, he tells us that he promises to fight for us. It says this, the Lord himself will fight for you. You won't have to even lift a finger in your defense. Listen to this promise. God promises to give you his strength and power in those moments. Isaiah 40 says this, he gives us power. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. And he offers strength to the weak. How many of you have ever been tired and worn out? 
right? Listen to what he goes on to say here in verse 30. Even youths will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those that wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not faint. I think we have a problem. The problem is, is we don't believe these promises. How do I know we don't believe these promises? Because we are terrible waiters. He says that he was going to give us uh, wings to fly high on and we'll run and not grow weary and we'll walk and not faint. Let me tell you this. How do I know that we don't, we don't know how to believe these promises of waiting on the Lord? Because so many of us are running and getting tired. We're walking and we're fainting. and We can't get off the ground to save our life, let alone fly high on wings like eagles. The promises of God are there for us and oftentimes we just read them or we put them up on our shelves or we stick them in our car or we say something, we we send them in a letter, we shoot them out in a text, we post them in an Instagram and these moments that we say to ourselves that somehow these promises must be good for somebody somewhere but rarely do we stop and say, this one is for me. He goes on, listen to this, God promises to give you wisdom. James chapter one, verse five. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent you asking. But ask him. Be sure that you are ready, really ready to accept his answer. Expect him to answer. For a doubtful man, a doubtful mind is unsettled as the wave of the sea and driven and tossed by the wind. God also promises to give you protection. James 4, 7, and 8. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you hypocrites. God promises to forgive you Forgive your sin and heal your land. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Gosh, can you believe that? He says, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. These promises abound in the Bible. I think I could spend all morning long, one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, talking about the promises of God that are for who? You. They're for you. These promises are for you in the darkest nights of your soul when you're ready to to freak out and cash it in and you want to just call a friend to come spend the night or you want to say, I can't do it anymore, and you quickly run out and try to get the credit card instead of waiting on God to renew your strength and to provide all your needs. He gives us these promises in these moments. Oftentimes, you you know when we listen to promises most? We listen to promises most when we are depleted the most. Most of us listen to a promise when we absolutely, absolutely have to have it because life just crumbled all around you. Then you're like, God, would you show up? Sometimes I wonder if maybe that's better. Maybe it's better if life crumbles all around us because then we finally at least depend on God because otherwise he's just a little add-on. God's the little bonus chip that we have in our world. Promises, listen to this, a promise is only as good as the credibility of the one making it. A promise is only as good as the credibility of the one making it. Some joker comes up to you and says, I'll give you a million dollars if you, and you don't know that guy, you don't know if he or she has the capacity or the credibility to pull off the million dollar gift. Let me tell you this, if a promise is as good as the credibility of the one making it, you know who is? Jesus. He's credibility. He's able to do it. God could do anything. He can, he can do anything. You heard Pastor Steve say that today when we were talking about he was receiving the offering, that God is able to do anything. And the moment that we actually stand up and say, God, I trust you. Instead, I say, I trust myself because I'm 
Well, I'm all I know. I'm all I see. Now turn your Bibles, if you can, to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I love this. This is a promise that Jesus made to his disciples within the last two weeks or so that he spent here on planet Earth. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem from Galilee, which is probably a seven to ten day walk. He's going to show up in, in, in Bethany or Bethphage, just right outside of the, of the, the boundaries of Jerusalem. He's going to show up there in about a week. So he's got about a week worth of travel time that he's going to be taking. And in the process of this home, he knows this is his last journey. He knows this is his last journey from where it was to where he was going. He knew this was the last walk he was going to take with his disciples before he was crucified. This is that last moment. Jesus had just spent three years with all of these men and women, and he's telling them everything, who I am, why I'm here, what I'm doing, what this whole thing's about. Showing them as they're walking along, saying, you want to know something that's awesome? Consider the lilies of the fields. They don't labor or spin, and Solomon in all of his splendor couldn't measure up to them. Same time he's walking along and saying things like, gosh, you know what? The, the birds of the air don't have what it is that God takes care of them. He'd take care of you. Over and over, these walks and talks would happen. Not necessarily at that moment, but that's how Jesus would converse with these people and teach them. This is in Mark chapter 10, verse 32. They were now on their way to Jerusalem. Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with dread and the people following behind them were overwhelmed with fear. Pause. By the way, they weren't filled with dread because they knew what Jesus was about to engage in. That wasn't why they were filled with dread, by the way. They were filled with dread because of what was just said in the verses before this. The verses before this, earlier up in that chapter, it says that a rich young man came to Jesus and said, I want to be like you. Jesus said, that's awesome. Sell everything you got and come follow me and you'll be, you'll be able to come and enter my kingdom. The Bible says the rich young man went away downcast and walked away. So then Peter and James and John all came to Jesus and said, hey, what do we need to do basically? And he said, give it all away. And they're like, huh. Then it says they were filled with dread because they were fearful that they were going to have to do everything that he told the other rich young ruler to do. Not because they knew Jesus was about to be crucified. Here's how I know that. Listen to this next sentence. Taking the 12 disciples aside from this crowd they were walking with, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen to him in Jerusalem. When we get to Jerusalem, he told them, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, the Son of Man will be betrayed by the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will be sentenced, they will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, and beat him with whips. Then they will kill him. After three days... He will rise again. Imagine this, right? So they're walking along. Jesus sees they're downcast. Jesus sees they're bummed out because of what was just spoken in the verses just before this. And Jesus says, hey, guys, I just want to make sure you understand what's going on here. I'm about to enter into Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed by one of y'all. We're standing right here. I'm going to be, betrayed. I'm going to be handed over to the leading priests who are going to hand me over to the Romans who are going to crucify me. But hang tight. I'm going to rise from the dead. Like he tells them the whole journey, Right? And you would think that at some point they would say, um, wait, wait, what? You're going to do what? I mean, you would think that they would have thought that, because I would have thought that. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. We would have looked back and we would have said, wait a minute, what? How come, how come we're, I thought we were going to take over the Roman government. I thought you were going to go and ride in like a white horse and just defeat everyone, and the kingdom of God was going to show up. That's not what he said at all. 
That's not what they said either. It's interesting to me. The very next verse, after Jesus said, I'm going to be handed over to the Romans and they're going to crucify me. I will be killed, then I'll raise again. The very next verse, that's verse 34. In verse 35, here's what it says. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over to speak to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is it, they asked? In your kingdom, we want to sit on places of honor next to you. They said, we want to sit on your right and one on your left. And it went on. Basically, they came to Jesus after Jesus just said, I'm about to be beaten, spit on, killed, whipped, killed, crazy, bad, nothing good. And they were like, hey, um, listen, when you do this kingdom thing, um, can you make us a big deal? We just want to make sure you make us a big deal. I just want to make sure, Jesus, that, that you keep your focus and your attention completely on what matters most. I mean, we look at that and we're thinking, James and John, snap out of it, pal. How could you miss that? He just tells you the worst possible thing that could happen is they're gonna, he's going to be crucified, bitten, beaten, spit on, crazy. The only thing that comes out of their mouth isn't, wait a minute, what? What comes out of their mouth is, but what about me? Sometimes I wonder if, if we handle the promises of God the same way they did. That our first response to God being able to provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory isn't God okay, okay, you'll provide all of my needs. I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to give and serve and give and serve and give and serve because I can trust you. Our first response is, how much more can I have that you'll give me if I give a little more? Can you give me a little more? Can If I serve a little more, can you have someone serve me? And our first response is, what about me? Some stands in the way of our ability to hear God's promises. Some gets in the way and, and plugs our ears and keeps us from fully embracing and engaging in the promises that he has for us. Jesus spends three years of his life unloading all who he is to these people. And their first response was, what about me? What about you today? Hindsight's twenty twenty. We look back on them and we think, how could they have missed it? What about you today? Are there promises that God's made in the scriptures to you that you can hang on to? Let me read a couple more just for fun. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. There's probably no one in here who's ever been weary or heavy burdened. So this one probably wouldn't apply. How about this one? Philippians four nineteen. And my God will fully supply every need according to his glorious riches in the Messiah, Jesus. So maybe you've never been in need. So that one probably wouldn't apply. How about this, Romans 10, 9? If you declare with your, hand, with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you think that's just for the other people who are really bad people, and they need to get saved. How about John 10, 10? The thief comes to steal, slaughter, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. Maybe your life is just automatically abundant right now. And you've forgotten the fact that there is an enemy who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. So God's promise for you to live an abundant life here on planet Earth doesn't necessarily apply to you because that promise ain't no thing. What if that promise was for you? What if one day you're standing before the Lord and he goes, 
hey, I told Lance in the middle of April to come up and share with you about my promises and you didn't listen. Maybe you came to church today because he has this for you. Maybe today you need to surrender your life and get saved. Maybe today you need to believe God's promise of provision by stepping out in the area and trusting him. Maybe you need to believe God's going to heal your family and restore your children. And maybe today you don't think these promises apply. Let me give you five quick things that keep us from these promises. Self-supremacy. Self-absorbed supremacy. We're the top of the heap keeps us from seeing God's promise. Number two, suffering and pain keep us from believing God's promise. Suffering and pain, there's nothing worse that takes your eyes off of God's promises and you're dealing with suffering and pain. Private sin that we think is actually private keeps us separate from God. Keeps us pulling away from God. Sin always separates. Remember in the Bible when God told the children of Israel to, 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 to defeat that battle and don't take any of the plunder for yourself. And one guy in all the camp said, nah, you don't necessarily mean me. You must mean someone else. So he stole some gold and silver from the enemy that they just defeated and, and hid it under his tent. See, we do the same thing. Sin always wants to hide. Sin always wants to separate. Sin always wants to pull us away. And sin removes us from believing the promises of God. Number four, what keeps us from receiving the promises of God today? Skepticism, unbelief. I don't believe it. And finally, I think one of the things that keep us from promises of God is shame. Shame, the woulda, shoulda, couldas, the that shame always keeps your eyes looking at the ground. Shame always keeps you focusing on what you didn't do right. Shame never keeps your eyes looking at him. See, today is the day of the calendar year when Jesus came walking into the city. He came riding into the city on a donkey's colt, and we could talk about that later. But today was what, we, what the church calendar calls Palm Sunday, when everyone raised palm branches and laid their cloaks down and said, Hosanna, it's you. You're the Messiah, as if today the whole world figured it out finally. And they recognized him as God. The problem is, is they just verbally recognized it, but they didn't internalize it because it wasn't, but just a few days later, that same group of people that said, you must be the Messiah, cried out, crucify him. Crucify him. See, my question for you is, do you believe the promises of God are for you? How will you know if they're for you? Know this, there's always gonna be a battle pushing against it. There's always gonna be something that comes up and says, uh-uh, this isn't for you. How many times have you heard the Lord say, I have something special for you, get ready for it, get ready to receive it, and just before that promise or that blessing happens, everything in the world falls apart. You get sick, someone in your family gets hurt, you run to a financial situation that's terribly hard, all that stuff happens. This is a funny story, my wife and I, there, there was a, a, a financial need, and Polly and I aren't rolling in the dough, I can tell you that, but we had some extra, and we, so we decided to give it to this particular need. I was so happy we gave to this particular need. It was funny. As we gave that money away, almost to the penny, it's kind of funny. We gave the money away. We were happy. We felt good. Our finances still looked okay. We were like, sweet, thank you, Jesus. We were able to give an offering. I went to my uh, insurance guy the other day, uh, the medical insurance, now that we pay, right? So I'm paying my insurance guy. They, they actually took out Four times more than they were supposed to take out of my account. Four times. Not three, not two, four. And I was like, hey, you can't do that. And they're like, 
hey, uh, sorry about that, Mr. Powers. And I was like, no, 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 you, you can't do that. Like, make it come back now. And they're like, give us four days. And I was like, four days, nothing. You got four minutes. I, I didn't say any bad words, I promise. But they were right there. I on tip my tongue. I was ready to just unload on somebody. I was like, come on. They figured it out. Apparently the money's supposed to be back in my account on Monday. But you know who supplies all my needs? Jesus. You know who takes care of all my stuff? Jesus. Because I believe his promises. My question for you this morning is, where are you looking? Are you looking down in shame? Are you looking at your stuff that you're hiding? Are you hanging on to your own self-sufficiency, keeping you from the very promises of God, the greatest promise of all, when Jesus said to you and I, you know what he said? I'm coming back. Be ready. I'm coming back within a blink of an eye, and you won't know when I'm coming, but I'm coming. And some of us live our lives as if he's just, he's just making it up. Some of us are just like James and John or the sons of Zebedee, that they're coming to Jesus and saying, hey, yeah, Jesus, but at least while you're here on planet Earth, could you go ahead and give me lots of stuff? Can you make me a big deal? I want to pray for you this morning that this week would be a week of reflection, a week where you can say, God, I want to believe your promises. If you don't know the promises of God, just Google it, and you'll see a bunch of scriptures of the promises of God. Look them up, write them down, put them on your heart, learn them, memorize them, believe them, because the devil doesn't want you to know them. Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your promises. And that if promises are, are, are incumbent upon the one who's delivering that word, then God, we got a, we got a sure thing. You take care of us. Lord, I know that there are men and women in here today who have heard promises throughout their life and have been broken. Some of them live in the absolute bondage of a promise made to them. And every day of their life, they're living in remembrance of that broken promise. Jesus, today, will you bring healing to those places? And God, today, would you help us to believe in a promise that you not only rose from the dead, but you're making a place for us in eternity. This morning, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, it's a good opportunity for it. You say, Jesus, I give you me. I give you my life. I want to believe in the biggest promise of all, that I have room in the kingdom of God. Go ahead, just between you and him. God, forgive me. Maybe it's been a long time. Come home. Come home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's good. Devil's bad. Sounds like a song. Listen, let me tell you a couple things I want you to remember for this next week. First of all, Wednesday night, normally we have prayer the third Wednesday of every month. Because Easter's this Sunday, I just made a decision to move it up a week, all right? So prayer isn't going to be the week after Easter. Prayer night is going to be the week before Easter. Why do I want to do that? Because I want to pray for Easter. I want to pray for people to surrender their lives to Jesus. If this is one time of the year that people are going to come to church, two times a year the people are going to come to the church, then I want to be loaded up with prayer. So will you come join me to this Wednesday at 7 o'clock? We'll have child care for you, but just come and join me. We'll be in the Northwest Room across the big room in there, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for Easter. We're going to pray for not only the Easter service, but the following up of Easter and the weeks after Easter. We're going to pray, so come join us. I also want to tell you this. Make sure you remember that there is an 8 o'clock service. Come. Here's to be awesome is if you come to one and serve at another. 
Just come and be a part of what's going on. This Friday, we have the Passion of the Christ video. Go ahead and come to that. It'll be fantastic. We'll have communion there. And, and this is one last request I have for you. This one, Please do this. Sunday, next Easter Sunday, our parking lot, our biggest problem is going to be people driving in and not finding a place to park. So do me a favor, can you? Can, if you can, drop your family off, husbands, dads, whatever you got, drop your families off and then park across the street. The, the, the company over there lets us park in their parking lot on big services like this, and, and I'm gonna park as far away as I can possibly park, way in the back corner over there. So just park across the street and then take the crosswalk. Don't, don't cheat the crosswalk. Crosswalk over, right? Don't get hit. If you get hit, it's your fault, not mine. So, so, so <laughs> make sure you don't get hit, all right? Then, then come over here. If you're a single mommy and you're just one, don't do it yourself. You have room in this parking lot. If you're a dad with a family, you don't, all right? Park over there. <laughs> come on, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Jesus, bless your church. We love them in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you turn and give somebody a hug before you go? See you next week.